When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back a couple of days later than our classic on the bottom post-final game pod in this episode, purely due to the fact that I'm selfishly moving house later on this week and we had to find the time that worked. But he comes to you in good spirits, maybe because my move has come through finally and I'm drinking and Nick, well, just because he's drinking no doubt, although I think he got the uh, got the jab today as well, so halfway on the road to immunity. No Anthony for the final time this week, he and the correspondents will return after this national break. But as you heard, uh, the universal's here. And he's jabbed up. Nick, you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, fully jabbed. Got my vaccination today. If you're wondering why we're both uh, vaccinated um, and you've got some spare time actually over the international break, then it's worth checking out our Get to Know You pod, which um, we didn't do last summer. I think it was the summer before that we recorded it. Uh, just a little bit about us and, and why we did the podcast in the first place. Um, so yeah, check that out if you haven't already. Um, otherwise... Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's great to be finally vaccinated, starting to think the end of the, the lockdown is really, really, really could happen at some point. So all positive, all positive. Reminder, of course, who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. Um, make sure to give us a follow on social media if you haven't already. Uh, Tom at WGTA underscore FPL, myself at WGTA underscore Nick, and Anthony at FPL Stag. And also Instagram, give us a follow there if you haven't already. It's WGTA.FPL. And the mini league code as well, if you want to join our league, is CPSUOF. So I'll give a quick roundup of what we're going to discuss. I think we're just going to literally just have a little bit about the home straight and how we're going to attack it. So there's no fixed agenda, really, just to chat about a wide range of things and about how the template could shift as we enter the business end of the season. Mm. Uh, cor- uh, Correspondent is also going to take a back seat due to time constraints, but it will be back with Anthony's return. It's it's not dead, we promise. <laughs> we haven't killed Anthony. We haven't killed the uh, killed the section. Um, I just don't feel like I could do it justice slash speak in his Irish chipmunk mode, which is uh, yeah, a trademark to him, I suppose. Uh, but as usual... Uh, Let's start off with the game reviews and the market forces. Nick, I believe you didn't have the best of Bank Game Week 29s. No, it was, it was really, really bad. <laughs> it was um, 39 <laughs> points. Actually, to be honest, like the, the red arrow wasn't too severe. I don't mean you know, it was from 79k back to 97k, which um, was the same sort of rank I was in Game Week 27 anyway. So, you know, it's not a huge, huge fall, but it's just unfortunate because I feel like this was a week where we saw... Some people actually who free hit it. I think Anthony smashed it with sort of about getting double my score around seventy. Yeah, he got, he got seventy-eight. Yeah, he's up to um up to the top fifty k now, Anthony. 
which is um yeah so that's just what could have been essentially instead I, I really just got everything wrong i guess um in terms of my transfers i transferred in gareth bale and he didn't actually start so that was a zero pointer for him you know, oh, and, so you know i neglected picking the likes of lingard or trossard i think go for those guys unfortunately um i actually because i had 10 men as well for this week this is what's so frustrating is like i feel like i prepped for it you know I, I had my team ready but just you know to like a triple villa for instance you absolutely rubbish they all blanked um you know dallas blanked Maja got subbed at half time um it's rubbish so uh the only guys that actually did well i got a captain kane for seven times two isn't great i guess uh, rafinha eight pointer and um, i also got in veltman he was the star of the game week really for me <laughs> with that with that 10 point return so yeah a little bit of belt mania there but yeah no trussard no lingard no patrick bamford really did the damage there but um oh well you never learn at least it's not too damaging in terms of the rank fall but uh what about yourself uh, thomas yeah i mean i am um... I was literally a Bamford away from a similar sort of outcome to you. Um, I took minus four. I think it was a last minute minus four, actually. I think I did that about 20 minutes to spare, I think. Uh, Remove Cancelo for Veltman, uh, remove Salah for Ravinia. And um, with about you know, 20 minutes to go, I did uh, Bamford in for Diane, um, which meant I got yeah a 29 point, well, 25 point takeaway minus four uh, swing on players I was bringing in. Uh, and those three performing, uh, plus Antonio with the, the two assists with the seven, um, alongside Kane captain, got me 54 points, minus four, which is 50, which was not great. No, you know, I could have got Lingard potentially or, you know, Trossard in. Uh, but the reality was I was I never really looked at either, either of the guard twins just because I had Antonio anyway. And I thought Trossard, well, one week punt, I've already got Beltman. Um, so, yeah, 50 um, overall, which was okay. I think that took me up to about 250k. Um, but, yeah, really looking forward to this home straight chat because I want to see what we do uh, from now on. Um, I'm hoping to maybe do something a little bit, well, hopefully take some tips from it and to help me get to where I want to be this year rather than ending up bobbing around at the 200k's again. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on to the market forces briefly, Nick. And it is all about Lingardium Leviosa, isn't it? A Jesse Jaylings Lingard, Messi Lingard, some are dubbing him. Um, well, dabbing him, I suppose, is probably uh, the best way of putting it. Um, rising up the ranks, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a crazy old season, isn't it? With another goal and assist, he's topping the market forces with 107,000 transfers in at time of recording. But is he overperforming? Who knows? He's getting the goals, he's getting the assists. Uh, bring him in. Um, I, I certainly made a mistake uh, not getting him in um, for the game of 29. So lots of people looking at those uh, returns from old Jesse or young Jesse and uh, getting that youngster in. So, yeah, uh, I guess no surprises there based on the returns that he's been producing recently. And he was unlucky as well to get another goal uh, thanks to a dodgy offside call. Uh, so, yeah, Lingard uh, leading the line in terms of the market forces. Otherwise, um, it's kind of a couple of what I'd call perhaps safe picks for the, for the close season. You've got Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne, second and third on the market versus uh, market forces with about 65,000 transfers in at time of recording. So it feels like a few people might have sold them because of the blank in 29, but getting back on those safe picks in, in Bruno, in, in Kevin, you know, Bruno is probably going to be the top scorer this season. De Bruyne was the top scorer last season. Safe picks for the uh, the final hurdles, let's say. Um, and otherwise, a couple more interesting picks, perhaps. Ian Acho, um, he's, he's doing excellently at the moment. Uh, uh, really stepped up his game in the absence of the likes of uh, Harvey Barnes. And he picked up Hattrick at Sheffield United. 
uh, brace against Manchester United as well in the FA Cup. So um, lots of people targeting him. We'll talk about him a little bit later. And, and Mason Mount, we'll also talk about him a little bit later as well when we cover Chelsea. 55,000 transfers in for him. Um, another perhaps safe pick for the close season. I just love the fact that 60,000 people bought in here and actually last week as well when we didn't have a game. I just, it's just one of those classic sort of FPL robot, FPL lemming sort of situations, wasn't it? Probably saw the goal um, in the FA Cup and thought, oh, why aren't I getting those points in FPL? Or at least in my head, this is what these people are doing. And in the sales, Nick, it's not particularly surprising, uh, is it? It's pretty much those players who did all blank, although the man in fifth, 11 points Bamford, and he's still being sold. I don't get that. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd one, but he does have a yellow flag still. So he's got a knock, apparently 75% chance of playing. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, yeah, I guess that's being that's why he's being sold. People seeing the yellow flag thinking, ah, I'd better sell this guy, which um, seems a bit of a dodgy move. And plus, um, yeah, I was going to say these fixtures, they've got um, Sheffield United at home, haven't they, in, in game week 30. So, yeah, no, it seems a bit, yeah. I'll bit brash from um, a bit brash from a few people there. But, yeah, as you said, it's the players that blanked or didn't play at all. Um, so Son and Bale um, didn't play. Son's uh, being sold heavily, but he might be back. We don't know at this moment in time for the next game. Hopefully he will be because I own him. And Gareth Bale brought him in. Looks like a massive error because he didn't even uh, start or get a single minute. So, He's being sold as well, but they do have Newcastle up next, so that was one of the reasons Bale came in for me. And I'm, I'm hopeful that um, he, he will play in that game. You don't know, <laughs> but uh, and get some returns because if not, he's, he's definitely out the door. Um, and Aubameyang um, also being heavily sold, fifty-six thousand transfers out for him. Another sort of blank game week punts that people went for that's not worked out. Very expensive punts as well, so no surprises really that he's probably being turfed out for the likes of. Fernandez and De Bruyne safe, much safer picks and and Ollie Watkins of course get him out just get rid straight away 47,000 transfers out for him um, another player that's dunk up that uh, blank game for me yeah Bond or Watkins uh, the only other thing I just want to observe is that uh, Brighton players are featuring uh, in the uh, top 30 for transfers out so very much a case of a one week fling with those guys uh, dunk Trossard and Mope uh, all in the top 30 for transfers out uh, thus far at least although it has slowed down of course due to the fact that it's an international break all right so let's go to the main sort of thrust of the chat this week which is you know attacking the home straight as Nick mentioned we probably won't cover everything but I guess let's talk about what's going on with a few teams you know Nick a few strategies we might be following uh, just to give some context I've got a beer open because hey you know my, my house finally came through Nick does too so we're really just doing a bit of a chilled international break pod enjoying the fact that this one doesn't have less than 24 hours shelf life though we're swapping a hectic life for a bit of a park life here so yeah cheers just to say as well that at the time of recording game week 32 is up in the air for many teams there's not much we can do about this and if you check your FPL if you're listening to this on the week of the 22nd you'll see that there are a lot of games that have currently been removed and Ben Quellen seems to think that there's a high chance of games being rescheduled in the midweek of that week so it's all going to kind of come back to how it was in some way, shape or form. Planet FPL has spoken about this as well. So go listen to that if you want to hear about the kind of the calendar movements. Um, and if, if there are any machinations, we'll of course discuss it later down the line. Uh, but in general, I think that, you know, international break will give managers time to readjust and rethink whether it's fantasy managers or real managers. The relentlessness of the Prem so far has been really tough to navigate, hasn't it, Nick? And uh, I guess working with the fixtures 
going forwards and looking at a few teams, there are a few things that come to mind, aren't there? Um, you know, like City, I guess they're the big one, aren't they? What are you going to do with those guys? Because people have got two, and they've got I got the Cancelo, so we used to have three. Are we going to keep hold of them? James Carroll is asked, you know, is it even, even optimal to have free City? If so, which City, Nick? What are you doing with those guys? So I did sell John Stones um, last game week for Feltman. I'm actually considering uh, getting rid of uh, Cancelo as well. Seems a bit crazy, to be honest, to be selling all my City assets. But I know it's a bit of a lame answer, but I think the rotation is is a big concern, plus the uh, blank in game week 33. So they've had a really intense uh, period of fixture congestion in, in general. And, you know, they've really not had time at all to sit down for any coffee and TV at all. And, you know, after the international break, it, it can continues for them they've got Leicester in the league but then they've got Dortmund midweek then Leeds at the weekend Dortmund again midweek then they've got Chelsea in the FA Cup so I'm, I'm looking at you know some of my players the likes of Cancelo he is a he's a starting player for City no doubt about it he's in Pep's best 11 but is Pep going to actually play the best 11 in the league probably not because the you know let's be honest the league's wrapped up the, the key match for them is the Dortmund match where you know he wants to win the Champions League with this club, with this team, doesn't mm. he? So yeah. is Cancelo going to play or is it going to be, you know, a chance for the likes of Zinchenko or Mendy or someone to get a few minutes, uh, Kyle Walker perhaps as well, and, and Cancelo will be saved for the for the um, cup. You know, we never, we never really try and predict Pep, but that is my concern. There's been a little bit of rotation there. Um, John Stones as well, as I said, assault him. And there's been so much rotation with Stones. But, you know, I actually think, though, like the likes of Stones, there's a few others like Cancelo and Mares. They've been absolutely amazing FPO assets this season if they play. And I had a quick look at all three of those guys, just their points per game. Um, so Stones has had 6.8 points per game a season, but he's actually only played 18 of the 28 games. Cancelo's had 5.3. He's played a few more games than Stones, but he's still missed out on a number. And then Amares, 5.6. He's only actually started 19 of, of the 28 games. So there's so much rotation with those guys that it's like, you know, if you want to keep free, fair enough, go for it. But just make sure you've got a strong bench and you've got people that you can rely on that can come off the bench and, and deliver, you know, like your Dallas's and people like that that you, you can trust. Yeah, I think because we've got loads of money, at the moment, we'll come on to why that might be in a little bit. We are in a situation where perhaps that is a thing where you'd be okay to have the triple city and just kind of say, you know what, I've got a bench to cover me if it doesn't quite work out. Because they are still, you know, quite an unstoppable force, dear old city. The last six games, over 100 shots, over 20 big chances, six XG more than the team in second, Leicester. Four more XA than team in second, Leicester again. So you put them in a bit. And 446 points scored over the last six game weeks. 99 more points than Chelsea, who are in second. Again, we'll discuss them later. Uh, the fixtures are okay, as Nick's mentioned. But uh, as Nick just touched on, you need to have that player actually playing. Um, and Cancelo, yeah, I mean, his reign from the highest owned defender has dropped off. He's gone from being the manager's darling to a charmless man, hasn't he? I mean, he's still in the top 10 for XG and XA amongst defenders. But the uncertainty over him and the likes of Stones as well are causing sales. Like, I've still got Diaz. I've got quite, quite a bit of money sort of tied up in him. I think I'll keep hold of him for the time being. But I'm completely behind you, Nick. I think that I'd be happy to kind of start divesting my city assets. I think I'm going to like to hold Diaz and hold one other man, um, Gundawan. 
I suppose one of the big questions that we've now got is what do we do with Gundogan? He's a city dweller. He's a successful fella. He's got five value. And the run from game week 13 to 24, when he scored 111 points, won't be forgotten in a hurry. He's still just 6.1 million. But owners, Nick, have to be worried, don't they? Since game week 25, he's only managed one goal. He's only touched in the box against Southampton. And he's only managed 19 points and over the last kind of six. So Gundogan, Nick, what are you planning to do with him? I think for me, Gundogan, he, he's a season keeper. You know, there's a little bit of concern, as you said, his numbers have dropped off slightly, but in, um, he did score in the cup as well. So, you know, that's always a positive. When you, when you see your players, even though you don't get points, it's, it's always a positive to see a return. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in good form. Um, and just, yeah, in terms of the numbers, I know you said it dropped off recently, but I was looking uh, overall, really, the course of the season. He's, he's had the sixth highest XG across all midfielders with 8.15, um, 8.15, and he scored a ridiculous 12 goals. And actually, his first goal of the season didn't come till uh, game week 13. Um, so before that, he was, he was being like the, the Gundogan we, we knew and didn't particularly love um, of old, which didn't really get forward and get goals and do things like that. But since game week 13, when he went on that ridiculous run, he's actually scored more goals than any other player in the league, even even more than um, Harry Kane. So he scored four more, he scored 12 goals in that period. Kane's only scored eight. So, you know, in that period, as a 6.1 million pound midfielder, I'm not going to sell this guy. I said I'm disinvesting in maybe some of the City defenders because of the rotation. But I think this guy can sit there yeah. right until the end of the season. And, you know, they, they're free scoring. They're such a great attacking team. And he he's... Um, you know, as I said, there's a little bit of rotation there, but in sort of central midfield type roles, he, he pretty much plays most games anyway. So I don't think he's going to be as heavily rotated as the wingers, as the fullbacks that mm. kind of have to kind of, you know, expel a little bit more energy just rushing up and down those wings all the time. Sure, sure. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm probably going to keep holding him for the time being, but come game week 33 when they've got that blank, he could definitely become one of those players that a big question mark emerges over. Um, especially if he's one of those that's just ubiquitous hold for people. Lots of people just have him in there. They just think, as you've said, Nick, great value, this guy. Only 6.1 slash 5.5 buy for people like me who've had him quite a while. Maybe even better for a few others. Um, so there could be an opportunity there to get involved with a different player, be it City or non. I like the Mares call, for example. I had a look at him over the last six. He's actually scored the most FPL points, 54. Um but these are amazing hauls considering his XG is 1.31. He's actually scored four goals with that. Zero big chances. And his XA has been 1.23, but he's got four assists with only one big chance created. Um, he could be a really fun differential. I know you had him last year, didn't you, on Project Restart. Um, his ownership is, is pretty low. So he could be an example of another player you could grab in City. But, I mean, the rotation station is the big thing here, isn't it? And you may be thinking, you know what, it might be better to have players who will pivot toward players in different teams who don't have that sort of level of risk about them and don't basically mean you're going to end up playing your 4.5 million defender um, every other week because you just can't trust these players to start. Expected minutes is quite a difficult thing, isn't it, um, in FPL? Um, I suppose on the other side of it, we spoke a little bit about making you know, making money a second ago. Well, he's touched on making money. Some of that's to do with Liverpool. So, you know, I sold off um, Mo Salah this week. Um, but their last eight you know, really caught my eye looking into this because you know, they've got Arsenal, Western Villa, Leeds, Newcastle, Man United, Southampton, West Brom, Burnley and Crystal Palace. That last four is is really good looking, isn't it? We'll see what um, FPL Stag says, Anthony says on the, on the beach special next time. But, I mean... 
I mean, Liverpool, Nick, I mean, do you have any interest in them? Because they are, to the eye, a team that's completely lost their mojo, aren't they? Um, but at the same time, those fixtures are very enticing. Are they a team with no distance left to run? Or are you thinking there could be a space for one of them? It's very contrasting to Manchester City, isn't it? Their season. I mean, this is a low for them, isn't it? It really is. And everything's quite tender for, for Liverpool this season. It's um I think it's just unfathomable, really, that most of us now are in a scenario where we don't have any of their players, especially with those fixtures. And and considering for the last few campaigns at least, the triple up was all but essential. I mean, looking at the defenders, Trent and, and Robbo, they're creating a lot of chances. So um, in the last five game weeks, Trent has created 12 chances, which is the joint most of all defenders with Luke Shaw. Um, over the course of the campaign, both Trent and Robbo are second and third for chances created, 47 and 45. But it's worth highlighting that their actual assist output has dropped markedly from the last campaign. So Trent's been really unlucky only to get three assists. And Robertson's only had the five. And you can perhaps blame the front three to a certain extent, not being able to convert them. But I think, you know, those guys are very, very expensive. Feels a bit punty. You know, if you're really looking for some bargains in, in the Liverpool defence, you know, you could uh, watch the next couple of games and see if Nat Phillips actually can nail down that slot. Yeah, 4.0, my God. 4.0 yeah. hero. Um, picking up clean sheets against the likes of West Brom and, and Gang and Newcastle, these easy fixtures that they've got to come. Um, he could be someone that just fits in very nicely if he is uh, nailed on. Otherwise, I think Kabak probably um, is is more likely to... He's probably the most nailed on of all the central defenders, at least for the end of the campaign, with um, Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip all looking like they're out for the season. So, um, yeah, a couple of options there, I guess, in defence. Small at Quebec uh, with Liverpool, I suppose, in some ways. But it is, it is those those attacking players. I mean, I know we've had Trent and Robbo being a mainstay of many of our teams throughout the course of the last couple of years, as you're saying it. But owning a Salah, especially owning Salah, um, you know, we've spoken about him more than any other player on this pod. Not owning him is just a bit bizarre, but the big issue at the moment for them is conversion, as far as I can see. It's just ridiculous numbers, basically. So on FB Ref, um, great resource, go and check it out. Um, they've got the highest XG to, to goals scored under performance in Europe, I think it is. And um, they've got the second highest XG from open play. Um, actual goals scored, though, is 31, so they're performed by seven. As Nick said, this is surely a low. The last six game weeks, the points totals make abysmal reading as well. So the highest scoring Liverpool asset over the last six is Trent with 23 points, uh, which is, yeah, I I just can't believe that. Behind him, Salah and Robertson, 19 points each. And only Salah, Jones and Jota have scored in the last six game weeks from 81 shots. So a conversion rate of just 3%. Wow. Amazing. Like losses against the likes of Fulham, Everton, the damaging ones to Chelsea and City, as we've seen, I've left them floundering. And I think, Nick, our, you know, our faith in their players is destroyed. Um, but I saw you uh, just out you uh, from what you say on our Slack group, saying that you were looking at Jota and maybe getting Salah in because you had the money and doubling up. Is that a case of fixtures over form, perhaps? As, as that sounds quite interesting. I, I'm interested in Jota. That's great. But both, really? Yeah, this. I mean, this wasn't for this week, to be honest. This was something I was just thinking a little bit down the line, maybe. I mean, next week they've got Arsenal. That's going to be a tough game. But I think, yeah, it's, it is sort of like the fixtures. I was kind of just looking at that final run, um, you know, from sort of game week 32. 
Jota as well. He he's the cheaper option certainly, and um, you know when when he's uh, he's he's missed a lot of the campaign to be fair, but when he has played, he he's been really exciting to watch and you know real breath of fresh air. Perhaps their only good news story of the entire season really. Um, so he's had six goals for them, and it's it's over six hundred ninety eight minutes. That's a goal every one hundred sixteen minutes. Um, he's sort of had a chance every thirty point five minutes as well. So. It's, getting plenty of opportunities and and really proved himself um, earlier on in the campaign started to um, be um, you know a key starter for them as well so I, I kind of thought maybe he would be the best option just because he's only 6.6 so you're not spending a lot of money if you want to get Jota. Salah of course very very expensive 12.4 million but as I said as well kind of like if you've got the money then why not and you know I'm looking ditching probably the likes of Bale, the likes of Son, maybe after yeah. 30. So I thought, well, maybe I could move them on to the um, get on the Liverpool assets and hope um, I can take advantage of the the fixture shift. Yeah, no, I think the Jota from watching them against Wolves, I mean, admittedly, there was the kind of the old club sort of thing going on, but he let the one most likely to do something, didn't he? I mean, actually, I, I was considering moving Gundawan to Jota, um, but I mean, the day we've all got so much money, haven't we, at the moment, because we've sold the likes of Salah, because the likes of KDB aren't in our teams anymore. Well, obviously, there's a slip for you who've done very well out of owning KDB, getting back on him. Um, but I think a lot of people are kind of awash with cash at the moment. I guess those are the teams, Liverpool and Man City, who are obviously going to be figuring highly in our thoughts. Uh, but there are a couple of teams, I think, that we should be kind of pivoting towards um, for this final eight. They are Chelsea and Leicester. Um, and I think the next five for Chelsea are especially eye-catching. So West Brom, Crystal Palace, Brighton, West Ham and Fulham, pending for two, of course. A good four out of five games there. Um, in attack, I mean, you've heard of the Pep Roulette. But I think the tickle tombola is another one I'm just not sure I want to be involved with. You know, Kai Havertz, whatever. Mason Mount, who I'm sure Nick's going to uh, speak about, decent cover and all that. But there's no other way. There's no other way. All you can do is watch them play. All you realise is that the defence is where it's at for Chelsea, I think. So over the last 10 game weeks with Tickle and Charles, just two goals conceded, eight clean sheets, six big chances conceded, the lowest any team the fewest shots conceded as well. And next you see you have just 5.56, two fewer than the nearest competitors who are um, Brighton, according to this. Interesting. Uh, for context, the rest you see is almost half that of Man City's, that imperious defence just a few weeks ago. It's ridiculous stuff. And uh, Chelsea's defence reminds me a little bit when we look through the FPL options of Man City's this season because you've got these kind of free amigos at the back. You've got Rudiger, who's a John Stone sort of character, as Piliqueta or Dave as Diaz character, and Alonso as the obvious Cancelo. However, this time we've got that awkward sort of Hindu monkey style fourth amigo as Mendy is more of an option than Edison was. And obviously you've got Reigns and Injudson hanging around. But, you know, just before um, I hand over to you, Nick, I just want to mention that the ownership is so low for these guys. It's unreal. They're all under 10% owned. Mendy 7.9%, Aspliqueta 6.3%, Rudiger 4.5% and Alonso 2.5%. A combination is huge if you can pull it off. And I'm really looking at Aspliqueta to come in, I think, boring old Aspi. I do like Golonzo. He's doing all right in sort of the analog stats. But yeah, as Piliqueta and Rudiger pairing them together and hopefully kind of making hay with those fixtures at the low ownership, I'm, I, I really like the idea for West, for West Brom onwards, I think. So yeah, um, I, I'm really interested in Chelsea's defence and I think I'll be doubling up this week. Um, what do you think about the defence, Nick, for Chelsea? And what do you also think about Mason Mount? I'm sure you've got a lot to say on him. 
Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the defence. I think certainly uh, since they chucked out the guy who lives in a house, a very big house in the country, things have uh, really, really changed for the better at Chelsea and, and Tuchel's done a great job. As you said, those defensive stats particularly are very impressive. We've just got two goals conceded. I'm sure he'll be disappointed to only have scored 11 goals though over there to 10 games so I don't think he's quite got the attack sorted quite yet um, but we'll start the defence I know we both got Rudiger um, but certainly he's the one who's sort of the trusted man at least you know in this sort of tombola of rotation um, he's played pretty much every game since Tuchel took charge I think he's only missed one so um, yeah uh, definitely a solid pick if you're looking for a player that's sort of relatively cheap as well I think he's dropped down to about 4.6 million um, who can slot in and, and get you a clean sheet. But um, yeah, it is, it's Golonzo, uh, Marcus Alonso, that's the one that's catching my eye. Um, you know, getting to that stage of the season where you, you're looking at some of these players, fancy a really interesting punt. And it's certainly that Chilwell seems to be out of favour at the moment. Alonso seems to be the, the, one, um, the one who's picked as well when they, they need to go on attack a little bit more. And, you know, just a bit of nostalgia here. Uh, but the past four years, he's averaged 9.5 attacking returns a season. And it's just been the one goal so far. But the West Brom home game, yes. very appetising. Oh, and um, So tempting. Stats, yeah, I was going to say his stats as well have been pretty good, actually, to be fair, for when he's played. 15 goal attempts, 10 inside the box, but that, which is a chance every 46.9 minutes, which is the best of all the defenders in the leagues for goal attempts per minute. So that's particularly interesting. And... Um, you know, he's been creating a few chances as well, with chance every 59 minutes, about the same as Robertson and, and better than Aaron Cresswell, who's picked up a ridiculous amount of assists this season. So, um, yeah, a uh, big fan of Alonso. Yeah, um, he is the ultimate nostalgia pick, isn't he? I think it's just because Chilwell played very well in the cup and he will be up for kind of competing, of course. But Chilwell is away in the international break. Alonso didn't get called up by Spain. I just, I just think you know, for the West Brom game, it could be very alluring. But over the long term, Aspilicueta probably does fit the boring is good mantra. Again, having the DS stones over having the, you know, the stones and Cancelo sort of thing, I guess, as an analog. But I guess with him, you know, I may not hear the heavy metal of Nalonzo, but I feel like with the other options, I'd be like all of the time. I'm never sure why I need you, but Aspilicueta, Dave is there when I need him, so probably he is the better option. Oh, it's tough, but I genuinely think that having two Chelsea defenders is going to be a, a really good idea um, for the end of the season. Uh, of course, they've got other competitions that are going to going to be affecting them. Um, so maybe it's a case of kind of hoping you have one of two every now and again, but every now and again, you will get the double. And those fixtures over the next five, at least, are good enough um, that you maybe will want to play. Tickle Tombola and see how you get along. Um, and uh, but, but I guess if you were playing a Tickle Tombola, Nick, um, I... I guess you're a big fan of uh, of Mason Mount, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, as you alluded to, the rest of the players are just being heavily rotated. I mean, we had Ziyech had his time the stars very briefly at the start of the season. Pulisic just never really emerged last season hero. Um, and Havertz sort of starting to appear, I guess. Picked up a couple of assists, but not quite the player we've seen in the Bundesliga. But yeah, Mason Mount, he, he definitely feels like the safest bet of all the attacking midfielders played the most minutes uh also had the most goal attempts and, and most goals apart from Jorginho who's the sort of penalty merchant but um I, I'm actually particularly impressed as well with his creative stats so 69 chances which is fourth best in the league one less than De Bruyne so he's been, been quite unlucky really to only have five assists for his troubles you can blame uh Werner's finishing to a certain extent 
Yeah. That's, um, but yeah, I think he's he's a pretty decent pick. And there's probably another boring pick from me, I guess. But yeah, um, I think yeah, Mounts, he's, he's not the most exciting player in the world, <laughs> no. is it, Tom? And yeah, it could be good one to just throw in Dallard's pick, but why not? You know, punt for the end of the season again. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like next Werner is going to be next season's man. I think everyone's going to be like, we've got a file on you. You're going to be you know, a player that we're going to write off. And I think that after kind of Tickle gets a preseason with this guy and gets the team kind of how he wants them playing, I wouldn't be surprised if Werner does become a bit of a force next year. Sometimes you do see this, but there's a bit of a lag with players. You have the Aubameyangs who come in, smash it. Other ones do take a little while to kind of find their feet. And it may be that's the case with Werner. Um, it's unfortunate because often we kind of say, well, the German League and the Premier League, they kind of you know translate very well. It just doesn't seem to have happened, does it? Right, um, let's move on to another team in blue that we may be looking at, who are Leicester. So over the last six, they're second for XG, second for XA, some distance high Man City. Very impressive considering they've been missing their key creative force in James Madison. Um, the fixtures are decent, so after City in 31, which is great actually, that game. It's really, really good because you've got time to watch and see what happens with them unless you jump in and think it can actually versus old club or maybe Pep play the high line and Vardy will destroy them. Um, but they've got West Ham away in 32, then two really lovely home pitches in West Brom and Palace. Palace coming in the 33 blank, followed by Southampton and Newcastle. Definite interest there. As Nick mentioned, Ike Nacho is doing really well in the market forces. And he's just on a Nikitsch Jelovic level of running hot at the moment. Seven goals in his last eight strikes. Overall, in the last six, he's top for big chances. Vardy's actually second in, with six. Um, he's actually top for not non-pen XG. Vardy's actually second for that as well. And he scored the most goals in the Premier League. But of course, we have to include that hat-trick in the last six game weeks of the last eight games. And Vardy, interesting enough, has created four of Iconacho's uh, last goals. So they're doing a proper kind of Aubameyang, Lacazette sort of thing. But modern life is a bit rubbish for Jamie Vardy. He's not managed to score in the last five games. But either way, no, they're great differentials. 90% ownership for Vardy, 3% for Nacho Nick. Are there gains to be had from looking at Leicester there or maybe elsewhere in the team? Nacho, he's definitely one that I'm considering bringing in, uh, perhaps for Ollie Watkins, maybe come game week 31, as you said, see what happens in that Manchester City game, see what news emerges about game week 32. Hopefully those fixtures do happen. Um, otherwise, we're all screwed. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's perhaps the one I'm looking at, as you said, only cost 5.7 million, just on fire, just hitting that form right now. Um, some great underlying stats in those last five game weeks. You alluded to sort of minutes per chance. It's every 22.4 minutes. And Kane's had a better minutes per chance um, in those last five game weeks. And he's, he's had the most big chances as well with seven. Um, and picked up a couple of assists actually as well for his travels. So uh, great time, as you said. You know, a couple of easy fixtures. Not going to play Sheffield United week in, week out. Um, he's also, he wasn't in the starting 11, but, you know, um, likes Harvey Barnes coming back probably by 31, but I, I can't see him being dropped in the current form. You know, Rogers has got to play him surely. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively confident he's going to continue to be played. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm mm. really considering him. Yeah, it's not football manager. I see people say that all the time. Oh, he's going to be dropped as soon as Madison and Barnes are back. No, like a player is never dropped if they're in, they're performing well. I'm not going to say form because I know it upsets a few people, but like, if a player is on, on a hot streak, as long as the manager can go, yeah, you know what, bro? Well, Barnes is back now, so you're out. It's just not going to happen. 
is it? Um, but yeah, I'm really looking at Nacho as well, just because Bamford is Sheffield United, um, and then he comes up against Manchester City, Liverpool, and United in quick succession. I know it's Leeds; they could create chances against anyone, um, but those are three decent defenses. I know Liverpool. I know. I know. Uh, so maybe he could be a really easy swap uh, to Nacho. But there's always Vardy, isn't there, Nick? And I've said in this pod a couple of times, I'm done with Vardy. If I'm crawling back to Vardy, I'll explain why I'm doing it. Uh, I won't try to weather vein myself, um, but I, I'm going to... Uh, the door's always going to have to be open to old Jamie, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be writing off his career anytime soon, because despite his age, he's continued to confound the critics every season that he's um, played for Leicester. And, um, I mean, this season's uh, been similar again with him, and he's actually notched up so many assists just quite quietly as well actually 12 assists um, this season along with the 12 goals that he scored so yeah definitely not um, a time to write him off I think my only concern with Vardy is probably cost 10.1 million I think there's other options out there that are a lot cheaper and better punts and, and his teammate Nacho is certainly one of those right now yeah, definitely. And obviously keep out a knife from Addison and uh, Barnes when they're back. So yeah, you know, a couple of uh, teams who perhaps have been pivoting to from Manchester players or from other players like the Spurs players, as Nick's mentioned. Um, but another one as well, which caught my eye, um, are Wolves. And maybe they fit into Liverpool, sort of a case of fixtures over form. Um, none of their players is over 7% owned. The most is Neto at 6.8%. But the next five are really, really good, especially if you look at the defensive ratings on tickets. And I know they haven't been great. And obviously I used how bad they've been defensively as a reason for why I captained Salah a couple of weeks ago. But they've got West Ham, Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom and Brighton before a tough final three. You could do worse than punt on somebody like Sice. You could do worse than look at someone like Johnny, who's got 0% ownership, 0%. He scored 123 points last season. Last year, Wolves kept 13 clean sheets. It's just been eight this year in a weird sort of transitional season for them. But Nick, I mean, looking at those fixtures that are remaining for them, I mean, I think it's, we are probably looking at the defence unless you fancy a wild Neto punt. But look at those fixtures and thinking about kind of the, the legacy of having quite a strong defence. Maybe you fancy another couple of clean sheets, at least out of that. I mean, after that West Ham game, do you think, which is a top six game now, do you think the rest of those fixtures look ripe for a few points? Because I think they do. If I was wildcarding, I'd certainly be probably trying to sneak a Sice in or sneak a Johnny in or even old man Connor Cody, who uh, seems to be getting forward these days. Yeah, he certainly is. I think, yeah, after that West Ham game, looking at that next five, um, it's probably five of the six uh, worst attacking teams in the Premier League, with Newcastle being the other one to mention out of that six. So, uh, you know, there's a chance, good chance of maybe three, even four clean sheets in that period if they get their act together. And um, yeah, certainly I, I considered like Connor Cody, and he's like one of those players that, you know, like Lingard, we thought we'd never be suggesting on this podcast. But um, he, he, what's good about Cody is he is nailed on. Um, in the defence, he plays every single game. So I, I think Sice got dropped for a little period. Of course, out of favour for whatever reason. Uh, but Cody isn't. Cody's, you know, the club captain. He's, he's their key man. And yeah, he's um, getting forwards. So like last season, he famously didn't register a single goal attempt. But this season, he's had six. And he's even scored for, for them against City, much to our chagrin. Because obviously, a lot of us had double, uh, double uh, defence in that particular game. We had Stones and Concello, very frustrating. But um, I certainly think he could be a solid 
pick for that fixture run, someone who can sit there, you know he's going to play, and he's probably going to get some clean sheets for you as well. So it's all about the clean sheets. Um, up there with the attack, as you said, they've looked very blunt, um, especially since Jimenez got injured, um, since uh, he got injured in game week 10. Or had that awful head injury. Um, they've only scored 17 goals, which is the, the fifth uh, worst in the league for attacking returns. And, you know, like William Jose done nothing, Fabio Silva nothing. Uh, Pedro Neto, as you said, is probably the only one that I would recommend or, or suggest. Um, and he's actually underlying stats very, very similar to Mason Mount, very, very similar across all the metrics. So if, you, if you're not looking at Mount or haven't gotten money for Mount, you could punt on um, Neto at 5.7 million. I think he'd be a really good pick there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, a few kind of uh, teams there in terms of you know, what what has been and what could be going forward. I know Liverpool are kind of in that weird sort of hinterland between being a has-been team, the team you may want to move into. Um, but a couple of other things that kind of come to mind here, just a bit of housekeeping. There's the whole Operation Target. I don't mean Matt Target, but Target a team. Um, so Target Sheffield United and also Target Newcastle have come to mind. And this sort of narrative to target a team comes back every year because it's such a good song it's such a sweet song think you know target norwich last year that salient memory of uh, antonio's four goals Um, but sheffield united looked at their data one word abysmal their xgc over the last six is 15.71 so they're expected to concede almost three goals per game that's an astonishing 25 big chance to concede in that time that's just in six games by the way so they're conceding just over four big chances per game. 45 shots on target in six as well, 7.5 per game. And Wilder's gone, so they're you know, dropping. It's hard for hecking bottom to negotiate, to motivate them now. Um, and you could look to captain against them in half of their remaining game. So Leeds game with 30, Bamford or Affinia. They've conceded a hell of a lot of chances in the middle. That kind of sense of back uh, triple up is not working anymore so Bamford's definitely my thoughts for that game week 31 Arsenal sort of Bamiyang Lacazette whatever game week 32 probably not because it's a double game week elsewhere Bryson 33 if you fancy a one or a Mope but definitely 34 Kane and 36 as well Everton so you know likes of Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison could be in our teams from the from the for an Everton uh, double game week but I mean they could be one team you could look at another one Nick is Newcastle of course the meek surrender versus Brighton yeah, I mean, they're going to keep it tight, but yeah, they're still second bottom for expected clean sheets over the last six. Another potential target, Liverpool away in 33, Arsenal home in 34, Leicester away in 35, and Man City home in 36. So loads of options to target teams like these. Um, is it, Nick, the ultimate sort of end of season business end thing to just mercilessly go after these teams? Because you know, I'm definitely going to be captaining a Leeds player against Sheffield United. So I'll say that now. I'm, I'm definitely doing it just because, well, I should. Um, are you as interested in targeting these teams or is it very much kind of a week-to-week thing for you still? I, I certainly think that they're worth targeting. I mean, that's part of the reason that I, you know, trying to justify my bail transfer in. I was trying to look at the the longer picture, really. Um, and and I saw obviously Brighton having sort of Manu at thirty, Spurs having Newcastle. I thought, well, perfect to show his a uh, flat track bully skills. Though obviously he's a bit out of favour now, so looking like a bit of a dodgy punt. But um, that's part of the reason I was, you know bringing him in for that Newcastle game. So, yeah, they, they look like a team completely in disarray. I'd probably, fav- I'd probably 
stage. So um, certainly think it's worth targeting them. As you said, Sheffield United being appalling going forward. So, you know, good chances for clean sheets. So, as we said, like for Connor Cody or whoever, Johnny maybe even, um, could be a good punt there. Just 16 goals in 29 games is just a rubbish return. The other yeah. thing I thought worth highlighting as well, targeting is West Brom. Um, and I'm planning on targeting them this week uh, with Alonso, perhaps as my transfer in. Um, so Allardyce just hasn't been able to make the impact he has in previous seasons with other relegation-threatened clubs. And his 57 goals conceded is the worst in the league um, and 170 shots on target as well, the worst in the league over the course of the campaign. So target West Brom as well, Chelsea assets. Um, you probably won't get Southampton players in, but Leicester in in 32, so the likes of Nacho or Vardy um, or Madison Pards, whoever, um, could be good punts or good picks for that week as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for the strategy of targeting these sort of teams. I know we'd always kind of be looking at doing that in terms of captaincy or whatever, um, but there's definitely been this sort of creep towards kind of being worried about EO that we've seen throughout the course of the kind of the middle part of the season. Obviously, there's been a lot of chatter, Nick, about why people captain Kane this week and he was obviously hugely owned uh, versus, you know, taking a chance like of Trossard, the likes of Lingard. In the cold light of hindsight where that free hit week just went basically to plan. So if you were to make a free hit, basically all the players you have brought in, so maybe double Brighton defence, plus, you know, Bryson uh, midfielder, plus the likes of Lingard, um, you name it, bringing in kind of a team to, that's well suited to that, uh, to the circumstances we had. People are now kind of saying, oh, you know, maybe I should have gone against the EA. Maybe I should have just kind of taken a risk. And I'm definitely going to be kind of bearing that in mind going forward. Um, but I think it's just a rare example this season perhaps of when the more solid picks haven't quite come through and it's been all about those sort of uh, uh, quite straightforward but nonetheless sort of um, less owned players like some trossards uh, making a big difference with people so uh, maybe it is a case of just saying you know what let's just target these players own the likes of trossard for one week two weeks I mean I've never really liked doing that in the past owning players just for um, you know one fixture or two fixtures but Part of the reason why I did buy Bamford, for example, on the minus four last minute was because I thought, well, I'm really going to have two players in, Sheff- in situ for Sheffield United at home, plus whoever it was, um, Diane was rubbish one and two wasn't playing, so I thought I just kind of grabbed that. So I'm going to and I'm going to try, I think, to target these teams going forward. So maybe you know, Bamford go for Bam could go for Lacazette or something like that, just to kind of continue targeting Sheffield United in game week 31. Nick, have you ever been a fan of you know targeting teams? There's no harm in, in that kind of strategy. It's, it's an alternative route. It's, it's quite interesting as well to go sort of down that route of sort of targeting specific clubs and tripling up. And you know it, it kind of links in a little bit with sort of the whole concept of sort of compound uh, compound differentials. So like just for instance, we saw at the start of the season some people going for triple Chelsea in, in defence and and that bared some um, excellent fruit and, and you know it is a bit more aggressive perhaps a little more risky than um, most managers would go for but you know at this stage of the season you've got kind of I guess I've always been a bit of a boring manager and I've ended up with very boring overall ranks every season so I think certainly you think there's no harm in trying to shoot for the moon and go for something a bit different a bit alternative just to to, to boost up those rankings and get it something that's like yeah. You know, re- really good as opposed to just respectable um, at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, we'll, we'll talk about this a bit 
later on, but it's definitely something I'll be doing in order to do that. It's the sort of time, I guess, where you could be maximising advantage. Let's say right at the top, but at the moment we're having a little bit of a breather. It might be a time for managers to reorganise and kind of re-incentivise the teams. And yeah, you know, if it goes wrong, you could think, you know, now what you've done, beat or bum, you let all those other opportunities slip away. But really, it is time to kind of just think, well, if I don't take this chance now, I could end up with an okay rank. I might as well give it a go, try something slightly different, try to kind of go against the established template. I'm very, very, very envious of people with the wild cards still in their back pocket, that's for sure. We'll come on to that in the questions in a little bit. Um, but I think it, it's definitely going to be a really interesting time over the home straight. Um, we'll talk a bit more about this with Anthony in a more sort of formal way. Um, as you can probably tell, we're just having kind of a bit of a meandering chat this time around. Um, but we're definitely going to look into on the beach going forward and definitely look into kind of ways in which teams do sort of tail off towards the end of this year and how to uh, kind of identify the motivated teams um, um, later on this week but hopefully that was useful just having like a general open chat about um the sort of teams which are um coming up on the radar and if, uh, which could help you in the home straight right let's take a break there and move on to the usual stuff the questions and the league update just after this who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's time to see what's been happening in the league. Um, just going to do a quick roundup of the top five. So in fifth, dropping down, it's Elliot Worthington with Obi Wan Basaka. Only got the 47 points this week. I say only, I say more than me, but it's enough to get him a red arrow. Evgeny Becker with Russian Mafia climbing up into fourth uh, with 54 points. Climbing up into third as well as Victor Sandberg with 59 points. Um, Pretty decent score. In second, it's Ryan Hobbs with 48 points, Hobbsy's Heroes. But in, in first, it's actually a new number one in the league. And it's Sean McCall with Lucas Levers Quavers. Um, and he got 87 points on his free hits. That's wow. ridiculous. Go on, Sean. <laughs> Triple Brighton defense, really doing the business there with Veltman and Gang. Lingard, of course, Lucas Mora, interesting punt there, nine points from him. Uh, Rafinha, Bamford, Kane, Antonio, just, uh, yeah, great score there. And he's up to, and, and second in France as well. So very, very important. Yeah, though he can be found on Twitter at mccollio 9 um, So he's, he's having an absolutely fantastic season. I think he's up in the top 100 now, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's the 66th. So yeah, ridiculous stuff. Uh, well done, Sean. Um, next up, uh, the correspondence, which will return uh, next uh, in April uh, with Anthony when he returns too. Um, in the meantime, if you want to get your questions, queries, etc., in who got the system.com, we have a few obviously to get through, um, but we'll try to get through them all um, throughout the course of this season. So definitely do get questions into that email account. All right, let's move on to the questions then. First one this week is a question of trust. So FPL Claret asked if there's any teams that look good on paper that we don't quite trust with our gut. It's quite an interesting one, actually, when you think about it. And I did have a look through kind of in the course of you know, taking some notes for this pod. I mean, yeah, I was running around speaking to conveyances, speaking to estate agents and had a great time doing that over the last few days. So I haven't really had a chance to do too many notes. But one team who did have a good set of kind of end fixtures that I just wasn't interested in uh, was Everton. So they've got decent ends of the season with Crystal Palace, Brighton, Spurs, Arsenal, Villa, West Ham, Sheffield United and Wolves both at home and Manchester to end with and double game week in hand. But I don't know, like out of an interesting kind of luxury punt on Luca Dean, 
I'm just not too into them. I feel like the season's in drift for them a little bit. And there's only a, a Europa League spot for them to play for now, having been in the hump for the Champions League. And I had a look at you know their data um, over the last kind of half of the season. So I looked at their heyday, game 1 to 14, game 15 till now. And in terms of kind of the comparison, it's just it's really interesting how much they've kind of uh, dropped off. So in the first kind of half of the season, the first half of the season up till now, and um, they were averaging 1.8 goals per game, uh, 1.1 assists per game. That's now down to 1.1 goals per game, 0.8 assists per game. Their XG is down per game from 1.5 to 0.9. And they're just not taking that many kind of shots anymore. So there were 11.3 shots per game between game at 1 and 14, game at 15, 29, just eight. In terms of t- attempts on target as well, that's almost halved. So there were five uh, attempts on target per game, game week one to 14, and uh, just 2.9 uh, between game weeks uh, 15 and 29. There's a few big factors here, you know, Hammers, um, injuries, and perhaps an element of losing the element of surprise when it comes to his quality not really working out anymore, alongside Ducore and Allen being repeatedly injured, which meant you know, the deputies not weren't really up to scratch and it's not really quite come together for Carlo's men, has it? So they would be the team that I know they've got, know they've got a double game week and I'm sure people will be piling back in. Flights Calvert-Lewin, we have kind of said, you know, they've got Sheffield United, that could be a game that would be targeting. But outside of Luca Dean, I'm just not too interested in, in them, Nick. I mean, are there any other teams that you would not trust? Is it Everton for you too? What's your view here? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when we were picking the teams, I guess, to cover in the main section, Everton didn't even gain a mention at all. You know, they got completely neglected. I mean, we were trying to focus on teams that didn't get covered last week because we talked about the, the teams with the blank in 29. So Everton should have been a, a prime um, prime candidate, really. But yeah, as you said, they've just not really caught our eye at all. And they do have that double game week coming up. But certainly I think their season, you know, seems to be ending with a whimper. But I say that reluctantly because if I think if you remember last campaign, they had some blank game weeks, so we all ignored the likes of Luca Dean at this particular moment in the season, and that's when he went on that ridiculous run of attacking returns, didn't he? Um, and when we all owned him over the double game week periods, he, he did absolutely nothing. So I guess that is, is a little bit of a risk um, when we make these um, judgment calls. That it, but certainly, I, I do have some reservations there. I mean, you know, I've got reservations pretty much over every single team right now. You know, it's, it's not really one team, but like even like Liverpool, it's like they've got the fixtures, but not the form. Wolves, they've got the fixtures, but not the form. City have the form, but not the fixtures, stuff like that. So, you know, I, I, I don't really trust anyone at all, which sounds a bit negative, but I guess there's not really one other team to really call out, I guess. Most of the other teams we haven't mentioned, like Southampton, got a few good fixtures, 30 to 32, but... And, you know, obviously, like the Crystal Palace, just an absolute no-go zone completely. So, uh, yeah, mm. that's it. I mean, how do you navigate this sort of situation then where you don't trust anyone? Do you kind of stick to the big players? I mean, you mentioned earlier on thinking about maybe buying Salah back in. We've noticed in the market force people kind of f- a flight back to safety with people getting Kevin De Bruyne um, and Bruno back in. I mean, how would you advise navigating this period then if you're kind of thinking, oh, I don't trust anyone? 
you can play it safe. I think certainly targeting the likes of Bruno, the likes of De Bruyne, if you don't own it, is, and, and Salah as well, is it's kind of a bit of a safe approach. These are tried and trusted assets to have delivered in the past. If if no one's particularly delivering right now, then you, you, you're better off putting your money in that you, you know have had the, the form and the credibility at least in the past so you know that's just one approach as I said before perhaps not the most exciting approach perhaps the more exciting approach is to go for the punter the more interesting punts the likes of um, Jota or uh, the likes of Neto at Wolves maybe that is that is the alternative approach I guess. Cool. All right. Uh, maybe it will um, you know, emerge over the course of the last sort of eight game weeks, that's for sure. Um, and over the course of the next, um, the next eight, there's obviously a situation where you've got those people who've got chips in hand. So you people already kind of drafting wild cards, thinking about when they're going to play their triple captain, etc., etc., and so on and so on. But Benny Blanco, we've got to call him Benny Blanco, Nick. We can't call him Benny. He is Benny Blanco. We've got to use both names. He gets really upset. But Benny Blanco, nonetheless, has written in and he's asked, well, this is what Benny Blanco said. He said, um, are there any tactics for those with no chips left to counteract these pesky wild carders? So Benny Blanco says, I've got a strong on paper side for game week 30. He's looking at jumping on Chelsea players early ahead of game week 31. Is that a viable strategy, um, you know, to try to get ahead of the curve? This is such a good one, really, for just kind of thinking about strategies towards the end of the season and building on what we've already said. Benny Blanco could not have put it better himself if I had paid him. Um, but I guess, you know, definitely jumping on Chelsea we think we've both kind of uh, been quite behind that and I think uh, just in general over the course of the last few years what I've done towards the end is I've tried to kind of revert back to safety play a very safe game try to maneuver myself into better places and take fewer risks at the end of the season you know try to kind of you know safely reverse park myself into where I need to be um but on the other side of it is um the man late riser um this whole idea of upside chasing and i know there's a few reservations about what we've seen because it's been a bit of a strange uh, blank game week i spoke about earlier on where basically everything that could have gone right went right for people who are making a free hit but to be honest from looking at that sort of idea if you're not if you're not trying to consolidate all the people so many people should all go hand in hand and do this if you're trying to smash it you know trying to go for that sort of um, you know bet against the house sort of idea and i'm certainly going to be trying to do this as i mentioned earlier i'll be probably capturing a leeds asset against sheffield united the reason being i've been bobbing around the 200 300k mark for the last four to five weeks we spoke about this with seb last week as well and I really need to score a couple of sub 100k game week ranks to get where I want to be, which is top 100k. I know, I know, I run a podcast, blah blah blah, but that that's kind of where I am at this point in the season. That's probably not going to happen by captaining the same players everybody else is captaining. I think Bruno this week and Brighton. I don't want to be shut in the back door. I want to be breaking down the front door. Is a way of looking at that, and. I think that things like targeting Sheffield United, things like, you know, jumping on the players at wild cards would be jumping on a little bit earlier, trying to be nimble and reacting to players and teams are popping up on the radar. We've really kind of given a few examples of teams that could do that and is a good idea. I'm really looking at the last eight game weeks as like a mini tournament and 
kind of like project reset was, I suppose. And I'm going to be trying to maximize my outcomes through gambling against the house as much as I can. So my mistake last year was I did really, really well in that bench boost game week where I got 120 or so. And then I took my foot off the gas and just started playing conservatively again. When what I could have done is I could have bought Mikel Antonio against Norwich. I decided, no, no, I'm going to roll my transfer now and then deal with it next week. I should have kind of kept momentum going. Nonetheless, I strongly advise everybody not to do this because I've not done well doing this um, this year. And I've tried to go against the house. So, for example, you know, removing uh, Spurs players in my game with nine wildcard. It's just me having my own think tank. But maybe that's just my poor picks this year over anything else kind of impacting how I'm thinking about it. But I've said a few times, this is the season to, you shouldn't bet against the house. Um, but as it is now, I don't think that capsing and owning the players that everybody else owns is going to do me very much because I'm going to keep getting grey arrows or and ultimately keep bobbing around where I am. I need to kind of go for, you know, this week, Bamford or Rafinha against Sheffield United. Next week, maybe think about bringing in the likes of Lacazette or the likes of Aubameyang, putting on the UEL and going for something like that too. Nick, what do you reckon here? I mean, I, I think the kind of the, the ethos of Benny Banco's question is, what do you do to counter at wildcard? It's like, we, you don't have your wildcard either. How are you planning to kind of navigate the last eight? Yeah, that's a really interesting question there from Benny Blanco. Um, so yeah, to, to answer Benny Blanco's question, I, I'm in a very similar scenario with the wildcards. Uh, being absent, I don't have my, well, I've still got my triple captain, but uh, otherwise, my team's all right actually for this week, game week 30, but there is a serious flip in fixtures for my team come game week 31. So tripled up on Aston Villa. They've got Liverpool and Manchester City after that. I've got my Leeds players. They've got Manchester City, Liverpool and Manchester United um, for their next three. So they're going to be in the mud. Um, you've got Spurs playing Manchester United as well in that particular game week. So my team just looks dreadful for that week. So I'm actually looking at that and saying, come game week 30, I, I might actually be tempted to just do a minus eight, um, just straight out of the hat. Get Whoa, rid of all the crap. Just get rid of all the crap in my team. <laughs> get rid of, um, you know, the likes of Bale, the likes of Son, the likes of Watkins, and just, just load up on those players that I want for the final run. So as I said, what I was thinking about was maybe Nacho, Nacho coming in, maybe Salah, maybe Jota, something like that. Loading up on those guys, just sorting the team out, getting it ready. Mini wildcard. I don't have a wildcard, but I can take a few hits just to prepare myself for that, that final run. So that's that's what I'm kind of viewing perhaps as mm. a strategy, at least to counteract the wildcard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's kind of just going for broke, effectively. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I guess you've, you've said a few times that obviously I'm you're I'd love to be where you are in the top 100k but you keep saying that you've all you always seem to end around that so is it the case you're kind of thinking well it doesn't matter if you end 150k or kind of 50k you want to kind of just aim for the kind of a, the ceiling there well yeah I think you've got to really is haven't I because I think the last few campaigns I've, I've finished top 100k for the last few campaigns um, but just haven't really stepped up it's finished about 85k or around that point which is just crap well, I mean, it's not crap. It's, it's it's all right, but it's not. It looks rubbish compared to other people's records on Twitter. So you know, I'll <laughs> do something about that, I guess. So uh, yeah, might as well. It might, be, it might be a bit late now, anyway. But yeah, we're, we're going for it. I think. Cool. Fair enough. All right, next question. We've got to put ourselves back into people's shoes who are in an advantageous position here, Nick. Um, so Steve FPL Ferry, good mate of mine, met him uh, in Brisbane uh, not very long ago. Oh. 
not for long ago, a year, more than a year ago now. Bloody hell. I uh, met Steve um, over there, had a couple of beers with him. A really nice, uh, really nice fella. Um, he asked, which game week looks the best for bench boost um, of those left? So he's still got that in his back pocket. Wow. And FPL Gear Snoop asked if game week 33, uh, when the Spurs and City blank takes place, is the time to wild card. So, you know, we've spoken about going Cityless already. But could that be a good time to to go in there? And I guess to kind of start on that question, um, yeah, I mean, game with 33 looks great for you know going for it because people are likely to still kind of be holding on to at least two city assets, I think, you know, Gundogan, Diaz or something like that, as we said. At Spurs, people are probably going to be thinking, well, you know, Kane and Son, they're going to be part of the zeitgeist for the rest of the season. They're like Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser when they're at Bournemouth sort of thing. Every now and again, they're going to explode and every now and again, kind of the, the template, if they aren't in it anymore, is going to fail. Most would be heavily invested in their still. So jumping off and trying to attack the end of the season, perhaps in different guys, could be a really good idea. And to be honest with Steve, on the bench boost question, last year on Project Restart, I just looked for a decent fixture for the 15 players I had and went for it I got 120 points that week when the game game average was 60 odd so I went from like 600k to 102k or something like that so that's the extent of my failure that I ended up back at 200k but basically I just went for it and all the fixtures aligned and even though I was on Lonesome Street with it I got very lucky with the likes of Charlie Taylor um, you know, returning 12 points off the bench if you look at the example of this week with the free hit when everything you could have planned did go well um, once the fixtures do align with your team, I think that could be worth doing. Uh, Nick, for people in this situation, this very, very enviable situation with chips, I mean, what's your thinking about what's the best thing to do? You know, I'm probably going to be a bit boring by saying it very much depends on your team to a certain extent. Um, trying to align the wild card with the fixture shift. I mentioned that fixture shift. For me, if, if I had my wild card, that would be a fantastic time to use it. Great time to, to take advantage of those changes and target some of those teams we mentioned at the beginning of the pod for those for the final season running. So that's perhaps a good shout. I think worth bearing in mind, of course, about the fixtures that still need to be rearranged. Some of those Everton, Aston Villa double game weeks that will invariably come at some point Spurs are going to have a double game week as well where I might use my triple captain. Um, so that might be an opportunity to use a wild card to target that specifically or a bench boost for that week. And you could sort of wild card bench boost combo and, and have captain pick that gets you 30 points or something ridiculous. Um, so, you know, that's something you could do. Um, also, we know there's some rumours, massive double in the final week of the season as well with stadiums full to the brim um, of fans. I'm not sure if that's going to happen in the current climate. Or not, but, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. But um, it's all very interesting. Uh, it might be something to keep your mind aware of. Imagine bench boosting for that. So wild carding, you know, you don't really want to be wild carding in game 37. You could do something really special and just have an amazing final week if, if that all comes to plan. But yeah, we, we obviously don't know if that's true or not at all. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So quite a lot of things open, and especially as well, if you've got a free hit, there's obviously a lot of good opportunities, including that 33, um, if you were going to take gear snoops thing and have your you have your free hit to the World Cup. Um, great. And the password question this week, are we actually, it's a combined one. Uh, Harry Thake um, wrote in, is Aubameyang a good differential for the last bit of the season? And this was 
simultaneously entered into the question thread with a question from our friend Adam uh, at Three Five Who, who asked, "At what point do we abandon the plan if it isn't bearing fruit?" Thinking of the Aubameyang experiment, <laughs> he's not a good, he was a good um, he was a good pick on paper, Adam says, um, but now he seems less good. So you've got one player saying, I'm going to buy Aubameyang. Another player saying, I'm going to sell Aubameyang. And I love those sort of moments, those pure poetry, aren't they? And they come in together, shows the differentiation in people. Uh, to speak about Aubameyang in particular, I think it's been really unlucky, Adam. It's hard to legislate for a fallout with the boss and have the death of the party like that. Uh, there's a really good piece by Art de Roche um, in The Athletic this week. Which showed, which showed how him being positioned on the right as an inside forward drifting inside didn't really work versus West Ham, which left a lot of punters upset. Um, a really fun fact is that Aubameyang has scored 205 points consecutively over the last couple of seasons. He's also scored 22 goals consecutively over the last two seasons. If he's to make that tally again, he needs to score 99 more points and he's scored 13 more goals so he'll need to score 12 more points per game week to get there if you back him to do that and he does do it wow you can be absolutely amazing now it's probably not going to happen so we're going to be a bit of a fallow year for a for Aubameyang um but we've identified previously a couple of game weeks where there are captionable games so game week 31 against Sheffield United 34 against Newcastle and Nick mentioned West Brom 35 against West Brom so where owning him could be a really nice boon for you potentially a quick shout out here for Saka as well wow he's the third biggest underperformer for XGI and FPL with 3.8 fewer goals and assists than he should have versus the expected Nick quick quiz who is the top underperforming asset for XGI this season Watkins (laughs) no Bernardo knows Maldonado's man even Cavaliero Mm. 4.41 on the performance second oh, i've got no give, give you a clue he um, took his he took his hair out and played guitar that's sigurdsson no luke ailing um oh, obviously in that goal I thought that was a david off. bowie reference no 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 but sigurdsson <laughs> to david Bowie. Oh, okay Okay, it's passing resemblance. Um, yeah. Ziggy, Ziggy, isn't it? Yeah, Ziggy all right, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Luke Hayling, 4.08 uh, underperformance. Wow, wow. So to answer Harry's question, yeah, absolutely a great differential. Um, Aubameyang, down to 11.2% owned, so it could be something in there. Um, but Adam's question, you know, music is my radar, as a psychology. And with owning a player that hasn't quite worked out, it makes me think of some cost fallacy again. The idea of invested so much in this, so I've got to see it through. Was judgment call and one I always fall play, prey to for when you pull out. Not alone, though, you see people like your average Joe FPL account right through to those espousing objectivity and the likes of the analytics crowd uh, falling prey to site cost fallacy. So it's really a case of kind of looking at objective sort of measures and kind of thinking, you know what it's good to kind of not be like, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm not going to push this through to the end. Just think a little bit about is there objectively a better choice I can make with that spot in my team? Um, and look at things like, you know, the UEL or Bamiang's minutes and that ongoing relationship with Arteta to kind of navigate that. And of course, kind of you know, ask questions and ask people to challenge your thinking. Um, as long as the challenge is posed respectfully, respectfully, it's probably a good idea to listen to it. Um, Nick, what do you reckon to all that? Uh, yeah, I don't know about Aubameyang, to be honest. I think certainly he's an interesting punt. I think it might have been one that could have been hugely successful. I saw a number of um, accounts that kind of went um, for that differential captain actually last week, a bit of a 
you know, nostalgic pick from last season, season before. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not really worked out for him, has it? And as you said, sort of being shunted onto the right wing um, has kind of really impacted him this campaign in terms of attacking returns. So he, he's not for me. I think it's partly as well because of the cost of Aubameyang, just mainly the fact he's 11.5 million. You know, that yeah. money can certainly be spent better elsewhere. I think certainly you can have to spend quite a chunk of your budget. Um, just to keep him in your team, and there's plenty of other midfielders that excite me more at this moment in time. What about um, this whole idea of you know having a plan and sticking to it versus when you jump off that plan and just admit defeat? Like, what's your threshold normally? Uh, I think you've got to. I've got. I think you've got to maintain flexibility. Uh, you know, I, I'm always one to admit when something doesn't go my way and, and make a change and. and it, you know, accept defeat. Uh, you know, there obviously has been past seasons where, like, I've rigidly stuck by Eden Hazard <laughs> through thick and thin and, and made uh, oh, massive God, faux pas. Now, <laughs> sort of about four, four years ago, five, four, five years ago, probably now. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think you've got to be flexible with your picks. And you know, even if, as I said, I've, I've rubbished players and then I've brought them in because they've they've hit form. So you know, I think I'm not I'm not a fan of um, managers to kind of you know have you know one thought in the head and and will never you know differ from that particular thought or you know I, I very much encourage trying to look as much of a wider picture you know take as much information as possible in before making your decisions yeah exactly i've been in that situation and you know, it wasn't easy but nothing is oh right so Let's move on to the final question this week. <laughs> and it's uh, Andrew Helmsetter again, who reliably kind of comes in to ask about captains. He says, you know, there's a lot of options on the table um, over the international break. And obviously there's some things that do change. Um, but what captaincy options are in our minds this week? And obviously it's a nice bridge question to the transfers and captains this week. Uh, starting off with the captains then, um, there's obviously quite a few on the table, you know, Harry Kane away at Newcastle, uh, Bruno at home to Bruno, to Brighton. I know that that will probably be the uh, the EO capture point where people will go, oh, well, Bruno's got a home game. Yeah, let's do that. Or maybe they'll go for Kane. So again, I'm going to go for choice three, which is likely to be Bamford or Rafinha, as I've mentioned earlier on. I think Rafinha has massive, massive explosion potential in him. Um, as I said last week with Seb on that pod, that he's the guy who's you know, bossing both the threat and creativity column of the stats. So I'm boss there. But in the process of doing this pod that I've seen on Fantasy Football Scout, the sheer number of chances conceded for Sheffield United through the middle. Um, so if there is one guy... He's getting lots of chances centrally. It is Bam Bam. So he could be the man who will be decently owned. Obviously, he's showing up in the cell for some reason now. But he could be the one who shows up as being quite a decent logical captain. But And he's also got the routes to points through penalties as well. But as I said, Rafinha is the one at the moment who I'm kind of thinking could well be a decent sort of low, still really low owned. I think only one in five managers own him. He could be the one that could be my captain but it's between Rafinha and Bam Bam I'm not looking anywhere else I think it'll be those two obviously maybe I will kind of um, you know get stuck in confirmation bias mode but I think I've got a kind of you know from speaking to you Nick for this pod I think it, it might be worth kind of going fully on that route of targeting Sheffield United what about you are you kind of just thinking well it's Bruno time Kane maybe against Newcastle um I don't really know what you're thinking here actually yeah, I haven't really mentioned it, have I? Um, I? You know, I've actually got quite a, a 
big fear about Bamford. I think um, you know he, he's certainly the big risk for damaging my overall rank again this week. Um, and I think yeah, so um, don't don't captain Bamford. Sell him, sell him, sell him. Because <laughs> I think yeah, he's probably is a really good shout for the for the captain's armband if you are looking outside of the more boring picks, let's say. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, I do have Bale and Sot, and that was one of the reasons I wasn't really sure about Captain and Kane, because I felt like I'm, I'm backing my own team too heavily here, going all out bro- all out for broke, saying that Spurs are going to essentially quadrupling up on the Spurs attack um, against Newcastle. So it's, it's always a recipe for disaster when you go for something like that. Though I do actually have the armband on him at the moment on my screen. So... He's most, he's possibly going to be the one that I go for. Bruno oversees the other one. It's a very boring pick, isn't he? So you know he's an option, of course. But um, at the moment, it's on Kane. I just don't think I've even changed it since since last week. Haven't yeah, really, it's early haven't on, really thought it? about it. Haven't really thought about it to be honest. So you know, normally I make a decision on the pod, but um, and tend to stick with it. But this week, I'm really up in the air. Uh, um, terms of in terms of the transfers, though, I'm, I'm, I'm really keen on Alonso, as I said earlier on in the pod, perhaps selling Cancelo. Um, I've got a bit of cash, actually, so I could even sell someone else. But, uh, yeah, thinking about Alonso in just for that West Brom game, I've just got a little bit of excitement in my mind about that one. See if yeah. that works out. Probably not. He's probably not going to play. But, yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm looking at going the other way. Um, so I'm transferring out Ola Aina. I've got nine million pounds to spend. So <laughs> I'll be selling Ola Aina. And um, I'm probably going to be looking at boring, boring Dave over the sexy option of Alonso. So going with uh, the latter day Diaz and Stones in Rudiger and Aspiliqueta, uh, just because I think Alonso's got players who can sub in for him. But Aspiliqueta, club captain, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure that Mr. Tickle is going to want you know, to finish as high as you can in the league as well as prioritising the Champions League. So I think it's going to be Aspilicueta for me, but I mean, they're all 10%, below 10% own. So at the end of the day, it's all very good. I love the exposure potential with Alonso. I love the nostalgia pick. I can just randomly see Chilwell playing and then uh, Alonso showing up in the Champions League. I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I could be tempted onto Alonso. I'm not going to, I'm not saying that I'm definitely getting Aspilicueta at this point. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. Nice pod, Nick. I've gotten through uh, three beers during this pod, so apologies for any slurring or <laughs> non-sequiturs. Um, but um, yeah, no, so that's a lot, isn't it, this time? Yeah, we're done. So uh, we'll, we were Who Got the Assist. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. I think we're going to see um, Stag hopefully back for the next pod. We might do his favourite on the beach special. I think that's the plan Yeah, his return. Uh, and we also, for old times sake, uh, snuck in another little theme as well. So a few oddball references here and there for our uh, music fans who listen to the pod. Yeah, it won't be in every week. Just just, just one we'll throw in while we've got these OG pods going on. They won't be here next week. On that note, thanks so much for listening. I'm finally moving house uh, this Friday, meaning I'll hopefully be set up in time for the next game week. Yep, I've conveniently timed this over the international break. Have a great break before the run in relish this time away from fantasy football it's been pretty relentless hasn't it in the meantime I hope you can think about that kind of home straight at least and um, we look forward to come back with Anthony and the correspondence in early April ciao for now take care and speak to you from my new house uh, very very soon bye bye cool alright thanks mate take care speak soon bye
Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.